Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and a sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? James chapter 3. Not many of you should become, I'm sorry, verse 13. Um, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Thanks, Manuel. Are we working okay? Over here? Oh, this one. Good. Ah, sorry, you want me to move? Is that right? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so good to see you again. And uh, let me just say welcome and add my welcome to Dan's. Thanks for reading to us, Manuel. We uh, continue our series in Proverbs, particularly looking wise, living wisely in 2021. Uh, I think that first verse in Proverbs uh, 27 reminds us how quickly things can change. And so uh, before I actually uh, open up and look at God's word with you this morning, I just want to share with you, last week we were able to welcome uh, our new pastors, Zoe, uh, Josh and Zoe. Uh, if you were here last week, you would have heard Josh and Zoe interviewed. Uh, they're coming on to the staff uh, at, at Wild Street and St. Matt's. Uh, and we're beginning their very first Sunday with us last week. And they are 
came here to church. They came to Wild Street, the church afterwards, and then had lunch with us. And after that, uh, he got a phone call at lunchtime uh, that his father had passed away. Uh, and so very unexpectedly, his dad in his early 60s uh, had a heart attack. They weren't able to revive him. And so it's been a, a, a bit of a tumultuous week uh, for Josh and his family as he's cared for them and he, as he continues to care for them. So the funeral will be this coming week on Friday over at St. Clement's at Mossman where his dad was going to church. Uh, we praise God and thank God that his father was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and so uh, in a little while after we've spoken, um, Tom is going to lead us in prayer today and particularly praying for Josh and Zoe. Uh, but let me just uh, encourage you to be praying for them. Uh, Josh is uh, one of those guys that he's comes from a broken family. And so he's kind of uh, trying to control things and look after people in both sides of his family as best he can. And so he's a lover of the Lord Jesus. He's a godly and wise young man, uh, but he needs our prayers. So please pray for him. Uh, as I'll pray for all of us together now as we uh, look at God's word together and looking at this particular topic of jealousy, which kind of seems a bit odd in the midst of uh, this, but that's what we're looking at this week. So let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you and praise you for your wonderful love for us. We're reminded at the very beginning of Proverbs 27 that we are not in control, that life is not something that we dictate or determine, that you are God, that you are sovereign, you are Lord of all things. And so we thank you for that, that, that knowledge that you give us, but also the recognition that we are in good hands. And we pray, Lord God, as we continue our series this morning on uh, living wisely in 2021, and as we delve into a particular issue of wisdom or foolishness in terms of jealousy, give us our hearts to understand as we reflect on your word this morning, help us not to be thoughtful about what other people should do, but help us to reflect on our own hearts and our own minds this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, can I say the experts tell us that almost everyone experiences uh, a visit from jealousy, you know, the nasty kind of green eyed monster at some point in their life, they come across it. And that got me to thinking as I was preparing this particular talk, when have I been jealous? Uh, what are the things that make me jealous? Am I the jealous type? Uh, fortunately for me, I stumbled across a way to answer that last question. I found a jealousy test online uh, on one of the health websites that I looked at. Uh, and the test actually asks you a number of questions with a variety of responses that you can select from. Uh, once you've filled in your responses, uh, it calculates the results of your jealousy tests and gives you a score between naught and 100. And uh, this particular test focused in on your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend to see how jealously you're affected there in that particular space. I scored 28 out of 100. Uh, I thought I'd failed. But then I realized that naught meant that you weren't jealous at all, uh, ever. And 100 meant that you were the kind of very incarnation of the green-eyed monster. And so all in all, I thought I'd done pretty well, right? I, I wasn't that jealous. Uh, but then they had a paragraph entitled, what does your score mean? That wasn't so encouraging. Let me just kind of give you the summary, if I can. Uh, first, it told me that I fit right into the category of those who are afraid that their loved one could leave them for someone else. Uh, and then I'm told, but that's okay, because I don't really care. Um, if it happens, I'll survive with my self-esteem and dignity intact. Why? Well, because she's not the only fish in the sea and I'll be able to find happiness with someone else. I'm not sure how she's going to react to that later this morning when she hears it, but um, 
And evidently, that makes me a strong and secure man. I thought, what rubbish, right? But it did make me curious. Was all secular advice like this? Um, and so I decided to dig a little further and see what other information is out there on jealousy. Uh, sadly, what I found is that there's a lot of really unhelpful advice uh, written on this particular issue. Some say that jealousy is just a terrible thing that society has inflicted on us. So it, it's a learned behaviour rather than something that just kind of comes naturally to us. Well, I thought, we'll tell that to the two-year-old who regularly demands to sit on his mum and dad's knee just when they're nursing his baby, baby brother. Who teaches him to do that? Now, at the other end of the spectrum was the view that jealousy is actually a good thing uh, because it can spice up your love life and uh, make things a little more romantic and interesting, evidently. However, as sad, I think, as those kind of views are, the issue that most commentators did end up agreeing on was that, except perhaps for that last group, is that jealousy is a destructive emotion. It's a terrible thing. It churns the inside of the jealous person. Uh, it hurts others who are in their firing line. And at this point, modern commentators agree with what the Bible has always said. That is, jealousy is destructive. That's the idea we see in Proverbs 27, verse 4, uh, which links in with the two ways to live that we saw last week, the way of wisdom and the way of folly, as we reflected on last week. And at one level, jealousy is just one characteristic of the way of folly. Now, let's just uh, have a look at one example of jealousy uh, right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Uh, you will probably know it well. Uh, Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. And let me read for you. Now, Adam and Eve, his, his wife, and she conceived, sorry, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought to the, of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? See, jealousy is a destructive emotion. And the warning you need about jealousy is this. It steals away your life. It ruins relationships. It destroys joy and peace. It moves in, in subtly and slowly, and it can take over like a thief in the night if you're not careful. Now, there are numerous examples of it in the Bible. Uh, jealousy is totally ruthless and uncaring. It's a common motive in the Bible for murder and cruelty. And it actually lays at the root of the actions of Cain towards his brother Abel, uh, who, are, who are Adam and Eve's sons. I don't know if you've really, really grasped the startling ruthlessness that we are capable of when the sin of jealousy is entertained in our hearts. And when these brothers, Cain and Abel, lived in, comparatively, in a comparatively sin-free world as part of the first family, more than likely they cared for each other. 
but one murdered the other because of jealousy. Now, men are frequently tempted by the lust for honor and recognition. And here in this situation, God has honored Abel because his offering was good and pleasing to the Lord. And yet Cain's offering was not that. It was not good and pleasing to God. And he wasn't honored. And yet God doesn't dismiss Cain. A loving heavenly father counsels Cain to avoid the sin that is welling up in him. And yet Cain still chooses to destroy his brother to satisfy the passion of his jealous soul. Now, the Hebrew word for jealousy is quinah. Uh, it means a deep emotional desire. And never underestimate the power of this sin if it's unrestrained in our own hearts. And we, we may not stoop to murder, um, but are, are we character assassins? Do we destroy the good name of another person through innuendo or accusation? Another example of jealousy cruelly tearing brothers apart is the story of Joseph and his brothers in Genesis chapter 37, 1 to 11. I'm not going to go into it. You might remember it. Uh, jealousy is another. It also figures prominently in the story of King David and King Saul in 1 Samuel. Uh, Saul, you might remember, King Saul initially loves David. But as David increasingly re is recognized as Israel by Israel as greater than Saul himself, Saul's love turns to jealous and vindictive hatred. And so he makes attempts, several attempts uh, to kill David. It even ruins Saul's relationship with his own children because he can't tolerate that they also cared for David. <clears throat> but it's not just the men who are affected by jealousy. Uh, we see it in the story of Rachel and Leah uh, in Genesis chapter 30 in the Old Testament. And two sisters uh, miserably competing for the acceptance and security of one man. But you know what's worse than anger? The Bible says jealousy is. See, that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4. What is cruel? Sorry, wrath is cruel and anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? It's a destructive emotion at its worst. But just in case you think it mustn't, uh, it mustn't ever, sorry, that you think you mustn't ever be jealous because you haven't ever killed anyone or even even thought about killing anyone. You know, remember that jealousy exposes itself in our hearts in different ways, maybe in hurt or sadness, maybe in anxiety, fear or annoyance, in paranoia or self-doubt or self-pity, in anger or bitterness. But however jealousy expresses itself, uh, jealousy will cause an inner sense of turmoil and an, an uncontrollable, if you like, desire for something that we don't have or something we want to keep hold of. And so the question is, why do we get so jealous? Now, I'm sure you can think of your own reasons, but before we think about that question, let me just say something about the definitions of jealousy and envy, because mostly they're just used interchangeably. Uh, even in the dictionary definitions at one level, they are basically the same. So, for example, the definition I think is on the screen there, it's a feeling of discontent or mortification, usually with ill will, at seeing another's superiority, advantages or success. So that's one uh, definition of, of, of uh, jealousy that we see in the Bible clearly. However, there is a further meaning of jealousy that involves something that you have, maybe a, a wife, a spouse, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, 
being taken away and being threatened by someone else. And we're going to touch on that kind of jealousy a little bit later. But for the moment, we're thinking about that first definition, which is very much the same as envy. So why do we get jealous? Well, the letter in the New Testament written by James that we just read, I think helps us to understand why. Have a look again at James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. See what he says? He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The reason I get jealous is because I don't get what I want or I don't have or achieve all that I desire. And so I'm jealous or envious of those who do have what I want, be it a possession or a person, a privilege, a position. And if that's you, perhaps you're fighting or quarrelling with someone about it. Perhaps you have feelings of hatred towards someone. If that's you, you're walking the path of the fool, Proverbs says. You're dining with woman folly. Now, a little while back, I asked a group of Christians uh, that I was leading to write down the thing that made them most prone to jealous feelings. Here are some of the things that they said. They said things like seeing others who are more talented than them, uh, like academically, academically or sport or relating, for example. They got jealous of that or seeing others who are confident enough to even have a go at something that they weren't confident enough to have a go at, seeing others being able to travel overseas and have good holidays every year, working really hard on a particular project at work only to have someone take it over at the last minute and get all the glory, or seeing others progress in their jobs while personally feeling stagnant, seeing your friends who you were once on par with getting ahead through some kind of good fortune, or people with happy marriages and families and living in comfort, or perhaps really liking a member of the opposite sex who seems more interested in someone else. Others said that they found it hard to see other Christians getting more and more materially wealthy while ministries were suffering for want of finances. Some were envious at how other Christians seemed to be growing and contented and cheerful and faithfully serving others when they so often struggled or even feeling jealous of another person's ministry gifts. And can I say, that's, that's quite a danger for many Christian leaders. They hear of the great work that God is doing through the ministry of others. And on one hand, they want to give thanks for that. But on the other, they kind of feel a little tinge of jealousy that it's not their ministry that others are giving thanks for and talking about. And it's kind of an irony, isn't there? And being jealous about another person's Christian gifts. Because God gives us gifts to build each other up. But sometimes we want them to build ourselves up. And the important distinction is that God gifts the church, not the individual. And often the individual is the gift to the church, according to Ephesians 4 verse 11. And so we should be thankful for them, not envy them. And we saw before in the letter of James that the reason that we get jealous is because we don't get what we want we don't have or achieve all that we desire. And so we're jealous or envious or of those who do have what we want. And no matter uh, what the world calls it, the Bible calls jealousy sin. It's recorded in the list of vices that the Bible says will keep people out of the kingdom of God. And so the question is, how do I deal with jealousy? 
What's behind our sinful, jealous desires? Why do we feel the need to desire what others have and be discontent with what God has given us? Well, let me, let me suggest two things. We see them as suggested in James and in Proverbs. So first, friendship with the world in James chapter 4, verse 4. Or secondly, pride. Uh, Proverbs 27, verses 1 and 2, or James 4, verse 6 and 13 and following. Now, I'm not suggesting that these are the only things behind our temptation to jealousy, but they are two indicators in our, two of the indicators in our two key texts today. Now, let's have a quick look at the, at, look first at the problem of being friends with the world. You see it there in James 4, verse 4. He says to them, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now look at what James calls these Christians. He says, calls them you adulterous people. They're supposed to be in a committed relationship with God. God had committed himself to them. He'd rescued them. He'd loved them. They had access to all the riches of God himself, but that's not enough for them. It's a little bit like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God forms Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground. They have an intimate relationship with God. He places them in the most beautiful of places with everything they could ever want. He places them in positions of great honour in his universe. Everything they have is given to them graciously by him. And so they have everything they could want or need. And yet there's only one thing they can't have. It's the only thing that will harm them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they can't keep their hands off it. And it destroys all they had. You see, the Christians that James writes to were a little bit like that. They were committing spiritual adultery. They weren't content in their relationship with God and all the good things that were theirs because of it. They were unfaithful. They were flirting with the world. They were focused on others and their prosperity. And the danger is that we can fall into the same trap. We can be like them. We see others with their homes and their cars, their overseas trips, their happy families, their success, and we say, I want that. I want what the world has to offer me. But why? Why is it that we have so much around us every day, really great stuff, but all we can see is the thing that we don't have? You know, Proverbs actually calls it folly, foolishness. Well, the second thing that is behind our sinful jealousy, jealous pride, uh, sorry, sinful jealous desires is pride. And that's probably the point, I think, of the first two verses of Proverbs chapter 27. See what he says there? Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. You see, it's the proud and the arrogant who make great boasts about what they will be or what they will achieve. It's the proud and the arrogant who sing their own praises. They want to be noticed. They want to be thought well of. They're fools, Proverbs says, because they fail to recognise that only God has any particular control over any particular day. People who are proud or arrogant want to be admired by others rather than God. And when it doesn't happen, only often a, a seething resentment and jealousy takes root in their hearts. They can respond with kindness perhaps to another person's failure, 
because it only boosts their ego. But when a rival is praised, it doesn't sit so well with pride. Oscar Wilde made the astute observation. He said, anybody can sympathise with the sufferings of a friend, but it requires a very fine nature to sympathise with a friend's success. It's true, isn't it? See, pride is the underlying dynamic of envy, jealousy, anger, and bitterness. And wherever, wherever we find jealousy, we find the wreckage of human and even Christian community. So how do I deal with envy and jealousy? Well, we need to turn again to the letter of James because he tells us how. Have a look again at verses 6 to 10 of James chapter 4. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. See, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we're we're proud, God opposes us. If you will humble yourself before him, he will be gracious to you and he will exalt you. How much better to be exalted by God than man? To be humble is to see ourselves as we truly are, as sinners before a holy and mighty God. We don't even deserve to live. Your next breath should be drawn with gratitude to God for his mercy towards you. Jealousy is so often rooted in self-righteousness. We need to go back to the cross. And as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. See, when we go back to the cross, what do we see? We see Jesus. We see the creator and owner of the entire universe humbling himself for us. We are more important to Jesus than the whole world. Here is where we see that other form, that rare form of jealousy. And the Bible actually tells us that God is a jealous God. He's jealous for us. He's not jealous in the ways that we so often are jealous in. God made us. He loves us. He's given himself to us and he's given us everything that we have. We belong to him. And yet humanity have turned their backs on God like an adulterous spouse. And yet as a loving and generous and caring spouse, God is rightly jealous for us and jealous for our good. See, our foolish sinfulness, our self-centeredness, our pride, our jealousy deserves God's judgment. But in love and humility, Jesus, remember, gives up his position gives up his rights, gives up his life by dying on the cross at the hands of jealous and sinful men and women to pay the penalty for our sin, to give us what we can never lose, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, friendship with God, life to the full in relationship with him. And so as we um, conclude our time together today, let's examine our hearts. And if we find even a hint of friendship with the world, even a hint of pride, even a hint of envy or jealousy, then let us confess our sins to God. Let's acknowledge our folly 
our wrong thinking, our sin. Confession actually requires humility, doesn't it? To admit that we're wrong. See, that's one of the purposes of confession, to humble us so that we might gain our sanity again. See, confession is an act of humility and it produces humility in us, which in turn helps us to think rightly. If we draw near to God, as James says that we should, we'll realise that there's no need for selfish desires because God himself is our possession and God himself is all that we need. Well, friends, just before I uh, pray, let me just get you to reflect for a moment. We're reminded, aren't we, in this passage, that a wise person hears God's call to humble ourselves before him, to confess our sin, to repent, to turn away from what is wrong in our lives and to rest in Christ's salvation, the love that he has for each one of us. Why don't we just give you 30 seconds just to reflect on that and then I'll close in prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a generous and gracious and loving God. And yet, Father, we also thank you that you are a jealous God, jealous for us, jealous in love that we might see you for who you are, that we acknowledge you as our God, as our saviour, as our hope, as our future, that all that we have comes from your good and gracious hand towards us, Heavenly Father, please forgive our sin, our foolish pride, the times that we feel that we are in control and that we are those who can make our own way in life without you. Forgive us for such sinful pride. We pray, Lord God, that you might turn our hearts to Jesus to see him as he dies on the cross for our sins, as he rescues us from your judgment and draws us into relationship once more with you. Father, please, please make us the people you want us to be. Help us to see that in Christ we have all we need for life and godliness. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, friends.